Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Thursday to you all. It's so exciting, and I'm delighted to see that you've decided to join us for Daily Devotions through Redeeming Life Fellowship. And if you haven't met me yet, I'm Dan. I'm a teaching pastor here at Redeeming Life, and I'm going to be your tour guide. It's continuing through this uh, journey through the Redeeming Life reading plan that's been leading us through the New Testament over the course of an entire year. If you've been following along with us, you know that we've been through the Gospels and we're journeying through the Pauline epistles. And we've gone through Romans and 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and then yesterday, Wednesday, uh, you probably heard or watched the introduction to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. And so that means today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. And as you probably know, even from reading through the first chapters, that uh, Philippians is of all passages, or of all books rather, uh, just one of the most encouraging, uplifting books, which is probably one of the reasons why it's so popular, not merely because it has that famous, well-known, misinterpreted passage, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, that's going to bear some interpreting later, but we're not going to worry about that now. Pastor Jesse's going to handle that the day after tomorrow, but I digress. We're not going to be focusing on that. But but something that, that I think is worth our time as we're looking through uh, a book like Philippians is to obviously read it within its uh, historical context, uh, which is interesting because Paul has endured a lot of suffering, and uh, but he's still a man whose life is just captivated by the joy of the Lord. It's characterized. Every, his, his engagements, his, his ambitions, the way in which that he, um, he really does uh, exemplify what G.K. Chesterton had once said, where for, for him, um, uh, uh, joy is fundament, fundamental and grief is superficial. Uh, how, uh, the, the, the joy of the Lord is a sort of thing that really does give him strength, that, that vitalizes um, uh, everything that is that he does, and that uh, he's the sort of person that, frankly, each and every one of us wish we could be. And I think maybe, let's, let's actually uh, pause here and think about this for a second. All right, have you ever been around or been in... Uh, close connection or spend any deal of time with somebody who's just, whose joy was contagious and that, um, their attitude was positive. Uh, they, they just, it didn't seem as if that they were struggling to find right motivations to be able to do the right things. Um, there was a sort of delight and levity, uh, a mirth to the way in which that they go about their day that whenever you've been around somebody like that, uh, it's usually contagious, but this, the interesting thing about that is, is that um, like so many things that are contagious, you can catch it for a while and then it just sort of sometimes um, disintegrates or dissolves or it loses its vitality to the point where you're like, man, I wish I could get that to stick. Or that, um, that if you looked at somebody who really had uh, a, a true, lasting, deep-seated joy that you would want what that person is having. And what's also interesting about that is, is that, that, um, that that type of joy, um, sometimes you find it among Christians and other finds you, sometimes you find it uh, among non-Christians, which is really actually quite surprising. And then also, uh, conversely, uh, it can be some people, indeed many people, who profess to be Christians 
who who are let's frank let's let's just you know be frank about it um who are just um lifeless um who are uh don't find any joy within their 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 lives and that's it's a tragic thing but it's it, it should beg the question why why is it that that there are so many christians or professing christians who just don't seem to find any any joy in anything that they do um and that's a sad sad thing and and i believe that that philippians especially the chapter that we're going to read today is a key for us to be able to understand not just what joy is but also uh the source of paul's joy and so let let me ask you this this is a question that i want you to ponder as we're reading through the uh a chapter like this is there a key to unlocking joy uh, or in other words you might maybe phrase the question a different way when you think about that person who who really exemplifies true joy um, is there an essential characteristic to that person that makes the joy that they have real and possible and lasting and life-giving, not just to that person, but to every person who, who engages and deals with that person? Um, uh, is there some kind of essential ingredient that brings about or that fosters or nurtures or, or, or draws out deep wells of joy in a person's life? we'll just put it simply, uh, is there a key to unlocking joy? I believe that there is a key to unlocking joy that's found here in Philippians chapter 2. And I don't know if it's the thing that you would expect as far as a key to unlocking joy in all of our lives. And you know what that key is? It's humility. And that may come as a surprise, not least because I think a lot of us have some very erroneous or even unclear ideas about the nature of humility and what it actually is. And in a situation like this, if we had more time, uh, it might even bear reading in another setting uh, the screw tape letters, letter 14, which uh, C.S. Lewis uh, addresses the nature of humility in, I think, uh, in in exquisite detail, uh, and is one of the best treatments on the nature of humility that I've ever read. And, uh, and that oftentimes, I don't think that we think about people who are humble as people who have joy, uh, because I think we've had some really wrong ideas about humility. Uh, maybe you've heard humility about uh put this way uh which i think is true is that it's humility is not thinking less of yourself it's thinking of yourself less um or to put it another way from uh c.s lewis would put it is that um that we're not accustomed to thinking about humility um as self-forgetfulness but a certain type of opinion especially a low opinion about our own uh, talents and character to think about those things as less than what they actually less valuable or less uh, important as less uh, less quality than what they actually are and that's not what humility is uh, where uh, where 
the, the, the sort of person who's always down because he's putting himself down and putting uh, as sort of depressing his self-value and self-worth. But that's not humility. Rather, humility is a certain type of self-forgetfulness where, um, where you've sort of uh, not made yourself the center or the preoccupations, being self-preoccupied as it were, um, but that, uh, that you sort of um, lost yourself um, in the joy or delight uh, of being able to appreciate or love or serve someone, someone else. Um, uh, that's a, a picture of what humility is. And here's, I think, maybe where the, where the nub comes, uh, nub of the issue. That anyone who's ever experienced real joy has, in that occasion, I would wager, uh, f touched on the real source of what real humility actually is. Where, uh, if there's any moment that was truly joyful, it was probably one of your most humble moments. Um, and what I think is the key here in, in uh, Philippians chapter 2 is that if you're ever actually confused at what the true nature of humility is, in other words, say, what's the nature of, that, of, of, of true humility that if I want to imbibe that quality, um, if I want to reflect that quality, rather, uh, what does that actually look like? Um, how would I notice or see what true humility actually looks like? So if I reflect that, then I can actually have true joy. And what I think is that the, the, the surest way towards true humility is adopting the attitude of Christ, who, in what he did through the Incarnation, was the best example, indeed the only perfect example that you and I will ever actually have of what real humility actually looks like. And uh, that's the reason why, or at least one of the reasons why, Paul says um, that to the Philippians, your attitude should be that the same of Christ. Um, and that because his attitude was one that reflected true humility. Um, and his was not of the sort of putting himself down, but rather lowering himself, emptying himself, um, giving up of his life for the sake of others, that he could ref he could embody the, the, the rawest, purest quality of humility that, that anyone could ever imagine. And that that was... Um, not just the source of, of Christ's joy, uh, but that also uh, is the source of Paul's joy and wants to be, to be the source of the Philippians' joy. And so with this in mind, I want us to think about uh, Philippians chapter 2 in the way in which humility is a key to, to Paul's joy and that uh, the the path towards humility uh, has to be the surest path towards humility is adopting the attitude of Christ. So, with this in mind, let's read through Philippians chapter two, and which is is going to it's 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 a, a profound book. Uh, there's so much more that we could 
um, tease out and, and glean from a passage like this, which is so rich in Christology. Uh, it's a pity that we won't be able to touch on all of it. But I think for our purposes, one of the most important things for us to be able to learn is the thing that Paul wants the Philippians to learn, is to adopt the attitude of Christ. Um, and so with this in mind, let's read uh, Philippians chapter 2. And it says, beginning in verse 1, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, or as in some translations it will say something to be taken advantage of or utilized to, to, as leverage for his own purposes. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. What Paul sees here in what many scholars believe, there's good reason to believe that what it is that he's just quoted is um, either a hymn or a variation of a very early, one of the earliest Christian hymns, Christian songs that has probably ever been sung. Um, but what Paul sees here in this, what we'll call it an early Christian hymn, is an attitude that should be reflected not only in, merely in, in him or in church leaders, but among everybody. This is the sort of thing that's characteristic of people who are disciples of Christ, who are growing in discipleship, who, um, who have an attitude that reflects Christ's attitude of humility. Um, and if that's the sort of thing that, that, Paul knows that he needs, and the Philippians, he knows that the Philippians need. You and I also need this, but I believe that this is uh, absolutely essential if we want to reflect the type of joy, or rather tap into the wellspring of joy that Paul is tapping into, uh, that it has to come through true humility, and true humility through adopting the attitude of Christ. But let's let's finish the chapter, shall we? And the, the, the point is only going to be pressed even further into the section where Paul says that if you do this, you're going to shine like stars in, in, in this generation. And that Timothy and Epaphroditus are two examples of this type of Christ-like humility. Uh, so let's continue. It says, Therefore, my dear brothers, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, 
Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing. I would encourage you to, if, if you wrote nothing else down from, from today's chapter, just do Philippians 2.14. Um, and take that uh, instruction to heart to do everything, not just some things, most things, everything without complaining or arguing. Uh, it says, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ, I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, there's a Christ-like attitude that what Timothy is doing in taking a genuine interest in the Philippians' welfare is an outgrowth of his reflections of Christ's attitude of humility. Timothy does what he does. He acts the way he acts. His priorities are all in line because he's reflecting the attitude of Christ. Um, that, that Timothy, in his concern for the Philippians, for their, for their welfare, for their well-being, uh, for their growing in fruitfulness, is all a reflection of, of, Christ's, of, of, of Christ's humility, uh, the attitude of, of Christ, which I have to say, a remark in passing, I think most of the time, when we as Christians, when we talk about acting Christ-like, it's, it's, it's usually meant to be able to adopt Christian morals or Christian ethics, which is true, and that's valuable, and that's relevant. But then when we think about being Christ-like, very rarely do we think about it in terms of imitating Christ's humility. Uh, and I believe that that the way, and there's lots of ways that scripture talks about us reflecting Christ's character. Uh, that's essentially what discipleship is. Uh, that we don't think about it in terms of reflecting his humility. And I believe that, that, that in Philippians chapter 2, that if there's any particular quality that Paul wants us to reflect, it's one of Christ's humility. Um, and that the way in which the Philippians and Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus need to be more Christ-like, indeed, are growing in their Christ-like nature, is because they've adopted uh, uh, his attitude of humility. So, let's continue. It says this, For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon 
as I see how things go with me. Uh, and I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. The way in which Paul describes Epaphroditus sounds to me like somebody who's got grit, who's who's got a, a, a toughness, um, a determined, deter, excuse me, a determined spirit uh, to follow through with 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 the work that he has to do, no matter what it takes. And even in somebody like Epaphroditus, I think we're going to see something of a reflection of the humility of Christ. And here it says, For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Uh, he wasn't distressed because he was ill. He was distressed because the Philippians heard that he was ill and doesn't want them to be suffering on his account. Uh, but let's continue. It says, Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor men like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help that you could not give me. Epaphroditus was a man who, when the supply and the support of somebody else failed, fell through, he stood in the gap, even at the risk of his own life. If that's not reflecting the attitude of Christ and Christ's humility, I don't know what is. Uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus are living examples, people that the Philippians know personally, that they're not just learning from from from. Uh, Paul's example, Timothy's example, Epaphroditus' example, but all of these things are chief, they're, they're, they're valuable, uh, they're, they're, they're worthy of imitation because they're imitations of the attitude of Christ and his humility. And all of this sort of thing are living examples of a Christ-like attitude that is the source of all of their joy. And so it's my prayer for each and every one of us that if we want to have real joy in our lives, it means that we have to have real humility. And the surest way towards real, lasting, true humility, uh, one that gives life to you and to me and to everybody else around us, it comes through imitating Christ, being Christ-like, um, that our attitude should be the same as that of Christ. So I pray that that encourages you, and I know it encourages me, and it challenges me um, to want to live um, in a way that, that reflects Christ's attitude of humility so that, that my life can actually count for something. Uh, because it was valuable in the sight of God um, and it became a benefit and a blessing to those around me. So 
Uh, but thank you so much for joining us for daily devotions. I, if you haven't, I encourage you to subscribe to the YouTube channel or even check out our podcasts. Uh, I encourage you to be able to, if, you, if the Lord enables you to support us uh, financially uh, through this church planning ministry here in Whitley County and in Huntington County. And I pray that whether you're participating through the YouTube channel or just working with us on the ground, uh, I pray that, that uh, God would bless you as uh, we continue to be a part of what God's doing here and growing mature disciples and people who answer God's call upon their lives to bring about his purposes here in our midst, here in Whitley County. So God bless you. Take care. And I look forward to the next time I get to see you all, probably Monday. So, or Sunday, if you come and uh, spend some time with us, that would be a lot of fun. I love you guys. Take care.